Welcome to Trust Tree Talks, a podcast that's committed to telling the extraordinary stories found in every woman. We're your hosts, Lisa Schauer and Elizabeth Holmes. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. It's hard to believe we're here wrapping up season three of Trust Tree Talks. And what a great season it's been. We've been so fortunate to host fantastic guests and thought-provoking conversations. Our guests ranged from 20-year-old Elvia, sharing her perspective on the world today, to Marty Dickinson, who gave us a peek into how her world changed during the last 18 months, to Lacey Pittman of Amazon Air, who wowed us with her insight into building strong teams that are ready to rise when challenges arise. All of our guests were so interesting and insightful. Every conversation was a delight. And now, here we are taking a moment to reflect on our season and chat about what's happening with our own ever-changing lives. In preparation for this, I was looking over my notes when I was preparing for the first episode of this season. And we talked about in our first episode, whether you had like vaccine envy or like, right, remember when you couldn't get vaccines? Doesn't that seem like a long time ago. A long time ago. And yet not so long ago because we're kind of back in a similar place where we're seeing COVID numbers continue to increase. It's kind of a nutty time right now, which was similar, but we were all anxious for the vaccine. Right. I think I naively thought that once this vaccine became readily available, we would go back to some semblance of normal, but that doesn't appear to be the case. Did you feel like you were able to experience some, what you would define as normal this summer post-vaccination? Well, dude, I went to Disneyland. So yeah, <laughs> I did. How was I Disneyland? Did, I did sneak a little normal in there. I figured the powers that be of Disneyland have a lot at stake to keep that sucker back open since it's been open. So I figured it was like the cleanest, most sanitized I was ever going to find Disneyland. And we had put off my kids' uh, birthday celebration trip for a year and a half. And when vaccines went widespread and numbers started to go down, we made reservations. And uh, then numbers started to go up with Delta and it felt a little bit like a, we were in a race <laughs> to get there before they closed it down. But it, it was great. It was a great visit. Yeah. We, I mean, we were masked up. Disney was great about enforcing masks because LA County had gone back to indoor masks by the time we got there. But it, it was just a very special trip. I've got a senior in high school and a junior in college and those kind of trips aren't going to be, um, I mean, different kind of trips. It's, my husband keeps reminding me the trips will be different. They'll still be trips, but it's just a special snapshot of time where they haven't fully launched yet. And, um, they still love Disney. They're still kids. So there's that joy in it. And it was an amazing trip. I'm super glad we did it. I was exhausted when we got home. Uh, so tired. Disney exacts a price that is not monetary as well, like energetically. <laughs> it's insane. But um, that was kind of our spot of normal. What about you? Like you had a big summer. We went to visit Mickey too. So there was a real anxiousness to have that be part of the return to normal. Um, we did that early in July and we found it to be delightful and exhausting as you described. Like I could have taken a week off when we came back. There was not a mask mandate when we were there. And so it was a little bit of, should we, do we, do we not, you know, all of those kind of questions. But I think we were feeling so much freedom by being able to get on an airplane and go to Disneyland, but there was no social distancing experienced in Disneyland at all. I don't know if you felt like that too, but when you're in line, you were just right back to back in line. Yeah. The lines were a little tight. Yeah. <laughs> Same. What else did you do this summer? It feels like we've done everything major we've been waiting to do all in the span of like six weeks. So I'm feeling 
tired um, and excited because I think we've kind of been able to kind of get to a new place, create something new. So we physically moved from a condo to a house, um, one that we've been in the process of building for a year now. We went to Disneyland, so we got to do that. We went to Hawaii. And when I did my, like, we got vaccinated, run to Hawaii trip in April, I only got to see my um, Ohana for about a day or two. And this trip, we just went to visit them. And that was really, really nice. So yeah, we, we've tried to pack a lot in. So I don't feel guilty as I move into the fall season and the looming possibility of maybe some more quarantining or um, some more restrictions that'll get heavier with the Delta variant. And then also just with the flu season that will be upon us, um, that I was able to get a little bit of that back to normal freedom and you know vacation where it's not like... I walked out the door and I came back in. <laughs> that's my, you know, that's my vacation. It's a staycation. But I do, I do think that we are all re-emerging with something very different as our norm. I don't think that universally, whether you believe in the vaccine or not, this is a bit of a sweeping generalization. I don't think that anyone anticipates we're going to go back to the world the way it was, at least not from a work environment. It's just going to be different. And people are demanding that it should be different. I'm kind of excited about that. I think the way that we've always done things is never the way I like to kind of show up in the world. I like to disrupt. And I know you do too. And so the idea that we're going to completely disrupt this system that is how we work together, how we find time to socialize, who we spend time with is kind of empowering. I'm kind of excited about it. It's definitely you know, requiring us all to be thoughtful and intentional. Are you finding that this COVID quarantine year and a half blip in our lives has helped to really empower you to feel as if some of those relationships that you've had, you want to continue, you don't want to continue, you want to get closer to some folks? Um, how has that kind of changed or um, your thinking around even just kind of relationships and being out and about with people? Um, and it certainly has felt like it's a significant change for me and how I think about it. How about you, my favorite introvert that, uh, <laughs> you know, would be like the ideal quarantine, you know, is a long time in quarantine. So how are you feeling about kind of this new norm? You know, my daily life is so different from yours and so whereas you, I imagine, suffer from some Zoom fatigue that you're doing a lot of Zoom meetings, I am able to pop in and out on, on Zoom. So as an introvert, like I, I think that's great. Like I like Zoom. I feel like when I am called to you know, meet on Zoom, it feels more intentional and it feels like we get through the business faster. So I don't know if that's something that is permeating out into, you know, the business really um, on a broader level, but it just feels like um, that meetings for the sake of meetings that kind of felt like was some of the culture of office work has, you know, not, not uh, maybe slid off a little bit, but in regard to relationships, I'm probably like talking about business because when you asked me that question, like my gut reaction was, oh, Lisa, like you have no fucking idea. I have like zero patience for anybody right now. And so I was looking for like, mm, let's see if I can uh, filter that response a little bit. So let's talk about Zoom meetings now. Like, no, no I just, filter. I have no patience. I feel like, like I've been bitten by a radioactive spider and I just have the most sensitive radar for just like bullshit. And it's just like, I just have zero interest in it, zero patience for it, zero space for it in my life. And I don't know if that's, you know, being in a pandemic situation, a life-threatening, hypervigilant situation for 18 months, you know, things get a little clear. Like, you know, they say when you're faced with death that you figure out what is meaningful for you. 
so yeah, I mean, I've taken the opportunity to have some relationships that weren't enriching my life or felt like maybe I had outgrown just allowing them to evolve into a little more distance or, um, or a lot of distance. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's pandemic. I don't know if that's my age. And also, uh, I've been close to some tragedy, uh, through this pandemic friend of mine's husband was murdered during this pandemic and nothing is going to give you clarity. I've found as to what's important and to get busy living your life than to have such a tragic occurrence happen that close to home. So that's been incredibly sobering and clarifying. Well, that's sobering. Um, You know, I mean, I think we've been facing death. COVID is a representation of death to so many people and the worry space around that. And for me, I just feel like it took work to be in a relationship with people during the last year and a half. And if I didn't put in the time or effort to work on the relationship and somebody else didn't, that's it. That's good. You know, I mean, like there's a reason, there's a reason I didn't, there's a reason they didn't, you know what, I'm not going to try and do an obligatory coffee with you. You know, you haven't seen me for the last year and a half, you know, nothing's gone on in my life. Why would I do that? And for me, you know, I, I don't have a huge group of friends. Um, I have a couple that I really care about, including the one I'm talking to. And it's, often people that I work with, or it's this weird enigma of, you know, air quotes, Lisa's family, because it's so, you know, there's so many layers there. And it's given me, I think, just more clarity about, I don't have to do that. And you've been a part of my life for the last year and a half. I'm not going to try to reassemble the obligations that were part of my daily life, like they were before. So, I think it's, it's been awesome in a lot of ways and it's been scary. So um, I hear you, you know, kind of speak to the trauma that this friend has had and, and the sadness with that, which I think is also part of underlying all of the health conditions is a race revolution going on right now. I mean, there's uh, divisiveness that I think we haven't seen in a long, long time, and maybe it's been under the surface, but it's not any longer and all of those things colliding, just it's really difficult not to examine your own, not only privilege, but your own values and belief structures. And so we had an interesting um, moment this week. So I know you had some back to schools that started last week, probably, and this week. So Sydney was set to go to Camas High School this year. And she's gotten more and more quiet and introverted through COVID and just less interested in stretching herself. And so we had made this agreement. She was going to try out for the volleyball team, which she tried out in seventh grade and didn't make it. And it was such a trauma that she didn't make the team. And, you know, at least in Camas, there's twice as many kids that are going out for competitive sports and there are spaces for people to play. So anyway, so she went out for the team. Tryouts were, I think, probably the first day that one of your kiddos went back to school. And so it had been about a week or so that she'd done tryouts. And then she was headed to freshman orientation and we ran into one of her teammates. So she got on the freshman team, which is so exciting. One of her teammates um, had a positive COVID test. So we're like four days in and we've already got a positive COVID test. So now the athletic director is reaching out to find out the status of vaccinations, because as I understand it, you need to be vaccinated or masks and how you handle that with athletics is hard. Anyway, there's a very small number of high schoolers that are vaccinated. And so she paused for a minute and looked at her dad and I and said, I'm not ready to go back. I want to do online school. So our agreement had been, you need to go to freshman orientation. You need to see what that's like. And then we'll make a decision Monday night, which was freshman orientation day. And then Tuesday was the start of school. So at 8.40, 
we're in line, you know, the high school band is playing, the cheerleaders are out, like they've got their signs. I'm thinking, this is so fun. And tears start to come down her face and she's just not having it. She doesn't want to do it. She's uncomfortable. She isn't ready. And so as we start to drive around, you know, she's saying, I don't want to do this. I'm like, okay, am I the mom that says, this will be good for you? get on out of the car, give it a shot. Or do I just keep her in the car with me? Cause I don't want to protect her so much that she doesn't stretch and grow. And at the same time, I want to respect and hear her and what she needs. So off we went to the coffee shop and the waffle window. And um, she had a waffle and a coffee and that's how we spent Monday and she's enrolled in Camus connect online. So for her, it's very real. And for her, she has, you know, a father who is pretty concerned that if he were to get COVID, um, that it'd be life and death for him. And so I do think we're all kind of growing and evolving, but life and death is really much in front of us more so than I think it ever was. Like health was not the same value that it is today. So I tell that story just to say that I don't know that any of us are completely ready yet to go back to maybe something that we we're comfortable in, you know, I was comfortable going to coffee with people that I didn't really care a whole lot about because that's what I was supposed to do, you know, and I didn't know any better. She was comfortable going to school every day, but now that she's seen that it can be done differently, she doesn't want to do it anymore. And I'm not going to force her to do it. So it was, uh, it's been an interesting week for us, not the week that I was planning it was going to be. So how was it to, to send your daughter to her senior year of high school? Did she have any hesitation about going back in person? Was she excited? Well, first I want to just praise you as a fellow parent that you listened to your daughter and kept rolling because for me personally, I feel like the rules are kind of out the window and like the way that we were raised, like all that stuff, like the shoulds that have been in my head. And, you know, I was raised with a this will be good for you. Like, I don't care that you're miserable. Like in the end, you'll thank me. I I don't think I would actually thank them for 99% of the things I was forced into. And I, I, I think seeing your kid and hearing your kid is like the most important parenting we can do because they know you know, they know where their line is and you know her, you know, when it's time to push and when it's not. So kudos to both of you for Sydney, for saying it and for you, to you for hearing it. Cause we just have to do things differently and we have to be open to doing things differently now. Thank you for saying that. Cause it was, <laughs> you know, tears are coming into my eyes as mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out what the right decision here is. And how to make sure I'm listening and, and how to filter to your point, that would never have been the option for me. It would have been, this is going to be good for you. Get out of the car. You'll thank me later. Like you, as you said, those words, I'm like, oh yeah, I heard those before. And I don't want to be that parent. I don't want to show up as that parent. And, you know, I think we've had Jocelyn on, we've had discussions about, mental health. And I just want to be really in tune to my own mental health, but my kids' mental health and where she's at and the ability to figure out how to adapt. But it was a scary moment for me because I was like, oh my gosh, did I just make a huge mistake? Like she's going to go to her freshman year online. Like that's not how she wants her freshman year to be. And then I stopped myself and said, she just told me that is exactly what she wants her freshman year to be. So, okay, check myself. (laughs) This isn't about me. It's about her. Not you. That's hard. <laughs> that is so hard. That's why I'm giving you praise. All of this navigating the rapids of these kids in these, you know, any the school age kids, no matter where they're at in their schooling, it's challenging. And there's the conditioning we've been raised with, uh, you know, that we what we believe will be make them successful. And then there's the reality. And you know, with my son who's in college we had conversations about taking time off like was he getting what he needed out of online school like don't power it through for four years if at the end of it you missed the education that you're there for like that was the conversation with him and with my younger kid super introverted and also excited to get back to school like 
they started working at the local hardware store this summer, which had been a really uh, confidence boosting experience and kind of leaning into like that high school, like figuring out who you are and expressing that through fashion. And that sort of happened over the last couple months. So it was exciting to see them get out there and have that first day. They hadn't been back to school since their, the middle of their sophomore year. They've gotten their driver's license. They've gotten a car. Like it's all different, but you know, we stayed open to hearing what they had to say about whether they wanted to go back or not. Cause I've never been in that situation. So I didn't feel like I could substitute my perception for what they were living. So, so it's been like two days yesterday, they left their car door open and their battery died. So I'd been like being very melodramatic about how my kids don't need me anymore. And like, I'm entering this next chapter of my life and like, Oh my God, like I have no bumpers. Like it's the first time in 20 years. I don't have to pick someone up from school or daycare. Like what, what does that even look like freaking out? I was definitely going to go there. Like you've had some pretty significant <laughs> changes in your life. So, but then I sat down and I got a phone call that said, my car battery is dead. Can you come help me? And I was like, Oh, haha!" Like put my cape on. I am still needed. I am still super mom. Yeah. We're easing into it. I'm not out of a job yet, but it's definitely on the horizon. It was really fun. I had the opportunity to take my son to school the six hour drive was not the fun part, but we walked around campus the evening before classes started and just seeing the kids out and being normal, like super excited, high energy on campus. That, that just gave me the warmest feeling like these kids are going to be okay. They're going to figure it out. Like, of course they're going to figure it out. They don't know any other way. I sometimes think about like these kids are going to be so resilient, but also they don't know what they're missing like that's part of their resilience is I I miss experiences for them they don't miss the experiences because they don't even know what those experiences are so I don't know it gets a little existential they don't have something to compare it to and see it as a loss right rather than either something new and different or positive I'm a little worried about the delta variant creating a situation where we kind of go back to something that I don't think anybody enjoyed, which was just that tight quarantine kind of scenario. But I would imagine when you get kids back together, there's like an excitement and an energy that is contagious. And Mm so I am excited to, um, to go to campus in a couple of weeks and just to kind of feel that because being in Pullman in particular without kids, it is a dead area and certainly just such a quiet campus, right? But we have all those kids on. Now, is this the first time that you've taken him for drop-off for back to school? I took took him him the first year. Yeah, I took him for his freshman year. But um, for his sophomore year, he took himself and he was back and forth because it was online. So it never felt like he got dropped off at school. Felt like he was just taking like two week vacations, three week vacations away from us, which were good during a pandemic. I, I, we're very blessed to have space in our house, but you know, it got really tight. I can imagine you guys in the condo are <laughs> felt very tight at times. And I, you know, I hope we don't go back to that. I know so many people have adjusted to socializing outside and invested in their outdoor spaces or figured out ways to socially distance and be mindful of that. You know, we have a couple friends that after vaccination, we started getting together inside. Now we're getting together outside. Like nobody is willing to take that risk. So it's nice that people are respectful of each other, but It is creating an interesting, like moving in the world outside kind of your tight circle of, you know, not knowing people's vaccine status. It's not clear who's vaccinated, who's not. So how you're going to be in 
in a situation. I went to a conference. I tagged along with my husband to a conference of his uh, earlier in August. And like most people were on masks because there was no mask mandate. And it was a group of people who were probably had a very high vaccination rate. Just that cohort is kind of pro-public health. But uh, I found myself like not wanting to shake hands, like not wanting to really get close to people and kind of not having that be necessarily across the board understood that that somebody needed to accommodate my comfort level. So I like, I imagine you are experiencing that quite a bit. Well, there's all sorts of awkwardness. Like, do we touch, bump, shake, hug? I mean, like all that stuff, it's just weird. And so I did have a meeting this morning where I was like, great to meet you. You know, so I remember one of the Zooms, you know, since we are able to do a Zoom where we see each other and then we are recording where there was a comment that I think that you made about what's it going to be like when we don't wave, when we hang up on Zoom anymore. And so it's just kind of been replaced that now when you see someone, it's like, we wave hello (laughs) rather than shake hello, which is just a very kind of different greeting. And probably should have been the case all along. <laughs> when you think about how many germs were we spreading to each other? I had a funny thing happen at that conference, my husband's professional conference. And there was a recruiter there who has worked with my husband off and on for 20 years, 15 years. He's recruited him for a couple of jobs. And I haven't seen him for probably six years. I haven't been to one of these conferences for six years, at least. Cause they were boring for the kids. So, um, sorry, honey, <laughs> they're boring adults sometimes. Too. Uh, anyway, so he like, you know, my husband's like, Oh, you remember my wife, Elizabeth. And he was like, Oh no. Like, Hey, you know, I'm Bob. And I was like, okay. Like, yeah, nice to see you. Like we've met, like, I don't know, half a dozen times more than that, probably a dozen times over the years, but I was like, hey, it's an open bar. Like, I don't know, whatever you're doing. So the next day I ran into him at lunch and he was like, hey, can I sit down? And he like starts telling me this whole story of how he recruited my husband for my husband's first manager position and like the role he played in it. And like, please, we were married. Like right. when this happened, I know. I'm right? Like, um... <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, okay, I can't blame open bar because it's, you know, the middle of the afternoon and I, you know, being a conditioned woman, I just listened to his story. Right. Like, mm-hmm, yeah, that's so interesting. Not like, dude, I was there. Like, what the hell? Not and like then your I wife was like, number two. Yeah. You thought I was wife number two. Cause I'm blonde. <laughs> Cause you don't have dark hair. So you can't possibly. Yeah, it took me like I... a couple hours and I was like, you know, just like stewing on it. I'd gone to see a panel cause I'm such a nerd. I can't even stay away from panels. I was like, what in the world? And then I was like, okay, six years ago, I was a brunette and I looked pretty different, like still in the twin set pearls kind of phase of my life. So, okay. that Oh my God. Like he didn't know who I was. He did not realize I was the same person. So that was kind of funny. Did you correct him? No, hell no. <laughs> I'm just going to wait till I see him again. <laughs> be like, wait. I didn't even realize, man, there's so much there. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a rich, it's a little multi-layered onion of like mansplaining my husband's career to me. Like, even if I was a second wife, like I wouldn't know what his career path was. Like we would have never discussed that. Right. <laughs> Clearly he would need to explain that to you. But then there's just this whole other, like, I think about, do we see each other? I mean, color of hair, like, you do not look that different. Yes, color of hair is dramatically different, given that Mm -hmm. I am a brunette as well. But Mm -hmm. um, not enough to not. Come on, like, I was working when he saw me last. So I was a little uptight. Like, I'm going to give him a little bit on that because I was wound pretty tight when I was outside the home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the, I thought that was a great question. Do we really see each other? Right. Apparently not. Apparently like what was filed in his mind was Eric's wife was a brunette 
stars. Hair color, dude. She can be a brunette or a blonde. I've been a redhead too. <laughs> could be a redhead with a cape. That's right. <laughs> There's definite physical change. Folks are coming out of COVID. Some of us are coming out with the COVID-19, mm-hmm. meaning the extra pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like a difference in how people dress. Like mm-hmm. today, I put on my like jacket and skirt and heels and the whole deal. I was the only one. Everybody else really? was in like sweats and stuff. Like, because we were having this in-person meeting. I'm trying to figure out like, am I supposed to be dressed like this? And you know, normally I don't even wear this much jewelry to a Zoom call, but okay, I'm going to try and I'm going to show up. And no, not the case, like jeans, t-shirts, shirts outside, you know, like not even like tucked in with a jacket. None of it. No, wow. we're going like full on leisure clothing now. That's the new business wear. So it's different. Yeah. Which I'm also kind of like, okay, I need to get back into like, Early COVID, um, I was trying to live up to the Elizabeth Holmes standard of like really cool t-shirts with awesome kick-ass sayings on them or cool mugs that I could show up with. Anyway, I'm thinking all of that is like super relevant. Like I need to be like up in my game with like, you know, some cool t-shirt because that is acceptable kind of how we work together kind of wear. So Good to know. Thanks for tipping me off. I did right. notice, you know, I'm a big fan of the Nordstrom anniversary sale. And as I was leafing through the pages this year, I was like, nope, don't need that. Don't need that. Like, nope, don't need that. Like, what sneakers are on sale? Like, it was a totally different bent. I used to always get like work basics, right? Or like function basics. And I was like, I don't think I need those. Well, and I even found, because I'm always looking for like, some sort of jacket that I can dress up, dress down. Mm-hmm. There's one, one jacket in point of view. And I walked into the actual physical store because I needed to take something back. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I'm just going to take a peek and just see, because there was a lot of things online that um, seemed like they had gone. And the one jacket, like two people picked up and I'm like, that's the one jacket I don't need. So um, I'm good. you know. But I mean, it, it is interesting because that is part of kind of the way in which I also... We think about the summer as the kids go back to school, you start to brush up on, you know, the staple pants that you might need yeah. a new pair or mm-hmm. shoes or whatever. Yeah, not not the case. And really, every, I mean, honestly, now that's a business to be in. Apparently, some of those like kind of leisure pant stores are now doing things that look like business pants that are the same stretchy material. So Athletica. Uh-huh. I think that's, is that the name of the company? Yeah, anyway, they have a $100 pair of sweatpants that mm-hmm. look like work pants. I'm like, this is brilliant. I don't know why we did not think about this sooner rather than, <laughs> you know, a black pair and wear them every day. It will be right. down to like pennies per pair. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. That's clever. I have noticed this is sounds kind of sad. Like I've only been in big groups for a couple memorial services, actually, you know, after like a year and a half. And some people have not weathered this very well. And I'm not talking about the weight necessarily. I think, I think this is separate from the weight. Like some people are just look far more worn down than I anticipated. And I, you know, I'm probably giving that guy some space up at the conference because there's some people I didn't recognize right away when I was at Jane Jacobson's service earlier this summer. Some people look, this, you know, great, the same, what you'd expect. And some people I was just like, oh, hey, like, are you okay? Like, and, and I do think it has just worn more on some people than others. Yeah. And I think more and more people are talking about mental health mm-hmm. and more open about it and also more capable of naming it and talking about what they need. So I um, may have been a little stressed in the last couple of weeks and a little overwhelmed. Well, if you think you're going to try and hide that, you're not hiding it. And I did get an email from a teammate that I work with who sent over a brochure on mental health. 
and the impacts of stress and just this like really amazing note. Like I see you, I see your stress, you know, I'm not saying that you need this, but just don't forget there are people out there that can help. And I was like, I, we would never, I would never have had someone say that to me if we were in person. Never, ever. No, but that's fantastic. Yeah. And were you like, screw you? No, there's a little bit of me. I'm fine. Damn it. Everyone knows I'm stressed, you know? And then I went into like beating myself up about like, oh man, I'm not showing up the way I should. And people are seeing it and you know, I need to change my behavior. And then I was like, or no, actually they're seeing what I'm really experiencing and they're paying enough attention. They see me. Wow. This is pretty awesome. So there's, I think good stuff that that's come from COVID, um, the, the quarantining and the, you know, kind of getting refocused on our lives and what's important side of COVID. One of the things I have always admired about you, please, is you get in there and you do it. Like I am so risk adverse and like your company is up and rolling. You've added people, you've taken on huge contracts, you've taken over pieces of huge contracts on short notice. So like tons of pivoting, you're staffing up. What is the special sauce of Lisa Shower that's like, I'm doing this. I'm going to do this and I'll figure it out. When we had that women in leadership and Dr. Sace, I think was her name, the president of UW said like, Her advice was to say yes and figure it out. Like you have embodied that. I think the whole time I've known you, but more so as you have taken on your own company, as you've shaped this company in your image, I mean, it's your company. Like where does that come from? Well, for me, I think it comes from a place of probably what you would think I would say, just pure survival. Like I have to be scrappy. I have to figure it out. I have to make sure that I can get out of this bad situation. I can pay my student loans. I can, you know, take care of this, take care of that. So, I mean, I think it it really is at its core, just survival. And what's interesting is I see around me that some of the dig in and get work done is about ego. And it it's been, it's existed in, you know, in our work, especially as women in construction and development for years, but I can spot it so much more now. And I can also kind of get in that space of like, yeah, I've done this before. So I think I've been able to weather some of the ups and downs that I maybe wouldn't have 15, 20 years ago, where they just would have absolutely pissed me off. And I would have been all about trying to control it to just recognize, at least for me in the last few years, that it really has been about how do I take care of my family? How do I do the things that are most important to make sure they have what they need? And that may mean I have to show up this way for this and that way for that, but I'm going to figure it out. Because if not me, who else? And that's where I just feel like there are people that are out there faking it all the time that aren't good and they're able to be successful. So I'm like, if I can get in the room, I will hustle and deserve to be in the room when others may not deserve to be in the room. But I think in some of that, I had for a few years and just feel so incredibly grateful to have connected with you. I lost my way and I didn't know what I, who I was and who I wanted to be. And so this time during COVID in particular, because it was really for me the biggest kind of timeout from the world and that I needed and didn't know I needed, I've been able to really focus on and center around what is it I want to say yes to and say yes and figure out, even if I don't know what I'm doing or how to do it, I'm going to dig in and I'm going to figure it out. But I'm much more comfortable saying no to things that I don't want to do anymore than maybe I ever was. Um, And then when I am going to do it, I'm going to go deep and I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to figure it out. I feel like so many of the women that we've talked to, not only this season, but over the last couple of seasons, whether it was COVID or not, it's just this sense of resilience and inner strength that we may not even recognize that I'm drawn to, that I want to hear those stories because that's what I 
tend to need to do. And I want to find out where they, where that comes from for them too. And so, you know, you're very much like that. And whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, Elizabeth, I think that your thoughtfulness and your ability to really listen and then shape what it is you're hearing into something that is so authentic. And then you go, oh yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Or yes, you see me and the, yes, I you get it. I have really seen kind of transition for you in the voice, the strength of your voice in the Radiant Badass podcasts. I mean, you've had a lot of just kind of personal growth and changes in the last couple of years yourself where it, you went from a blog to an actual podcast, which is like the scariest thing for you. You know, this, I love this venue. Now writing the omitted for my obituary chapter game over. That took me forever where I think you probably hit gold in draft number one, even though that wasn't gold for you in draft number one to everyone else's standard, it probably was. So I'm curious for you over the last couple of years and kind of the the evolution for you of Radiant Badass, what has that been like for you? And what are you seeing for how you're going to continue to evolve in the future? I went on this creative journey with my creative coach, who is Chris Martin. Chris Martin, hail to Creative consultant. He has a module, a training module. Unlock your creative journey. So this was a 16-week process that we went through together. Weekly check-ins, weekly assignments, quests, which he used all the phraseology that just spoke to me because I'm so competitive and a quest. You know, I'm going to I love it. Yeah. And what I thought going in that I needed to sort of figure out what Radiant Badass was and what I wanted to do with it, what I thought that we would be working on was sort of the nuts and bolts of putting together a brand, like how often I would post mechanics of a newsletter and just having some accountability for someone to say, like, did you do that? And I would want to say yes, because I'm an Enneagram three. So I want to be the best and I want to get all the stickers, but it took like a total turn for me. It went so deep into really exploring who I am in this moment, not who I used to be, not who I envisioned myself to be in the future, but like who I am right now and what I have to share with the world. Like, what my voice is. It really clarified for me what I have to share and gave me far more confidence that what I had to share would be meaningful to someone. That was a way deeper quest than I anticipated, but it was so helpful. It was just amazingly, I don't even know, it was transformative actually. I think of myself as a creative person now where before I didn't. So what's Radiant Badass going to do in the future? Oh, she has plans. Bitch, she has plans. Um, (laughs) The podcast, my podcast is going to go weekly uh, the last quarter of this year and um, doing some fun things with looking at doing some zines, some, you know, I'll, I'll pop in on the blog sometime but just exploring what I have to say and sharing what I have learned. I mean, you know, like you have a unique spot because you knew me before I was married. I mean, you knew me when I was like so hungry and really unfiltered. And I think you probably watched my filter come down as I learned that that's how you get ahead in business. (laughs) Which is unfortunate because you unfiltered is amazing. I mean, it's so authentic and it's so, I think you attract energy around you when you're unfiltered because people are like, man, she's so cool. She's so (laughs) cool. You want to hang out with Elizabeth. And I know you kind of dismissed that, but it is a real thing. And um, the more that you embrace your awesomeness, which we used to talk about a Mm -hmm. long time ago, I think the more radiant you are. And so I'm loving the plans that I'm hearing right now. And just you even embracing your creativity because you've always been creative, but you've had to fit within a box and a mold. 
Mm-hmm. So Jackie Kennedy with the pearls and the twin set was what it needed to be. I mean, and I totally, I get that. <laughs> I totally get that. And it's too constraining for someone it is, but as God, brilliant like, as Elizabeth. Deprogramming yourself from that is arduous. Like it's been a long time since I've really moved in that world. And it's still even my default is to, you know, twin set up. But I guess I need a little more Jackie Onassis and a little less Jackie yes. Kennedy. <laughs> exactly. If any of our listeners out there want to unlock their own creative journey, they need to reach out to Chris Martin at curiosity.builders with no.com or .org or whatever. I know that's going to confuse you, but it's curiosity.builders. Girls, stay with me on this. So Lisa, as you think back on our guests this season, what is something that one of them said or a couple of them said that really has stuck with you since we had them on? I think each of them had so much to offer and so many just kind of incredible moments where I'm like, oh, I got to write that down. Like that is inspiration right there. I think that probably the one that might've resonated the most with me, which is probably not going to be a surprise, but was Marty's conversations about kind of the messy, hard truths of women's workplace relationships, just because so much of our history, even though we knew each other before husbands and children, it's really been kind of around our own experiences with really messy women in the workplace and those relationships. And And I am always looking to see, was that just an experience that you and I have had or are other women experiencing that too? And are they awake enough to see it and to want to change it? Because it's really not a good dynamic in the workplace when we could be even more effective. So I really appreciated her naming that, kind of talking about her experience, and then just talking about the compassionate ways in which she practices kindness. I continue to be amazed and in awe that she is an incredibly busy woman with kids and a really big career and boards that she serves on and writing two handwritten cards every day. I mean, wow, that is just such an incredible way of not only saying that it's important to practice that level of kindness, but also to be modeling it by doing it every day. So I was just blown away by kind of hearing her speak, even though I know her, I, I just feel like I, I know her and I see her in such a much deeper way than I had before, which is one of the gifts of the time that we spend in these podcasts is that we see people and we run into them and we know a little bit about their stories, but the ability to have a much more in-depth conversation, is just, it's a privilege and something that I'm grateful for. So I'm curious what might've stood out for you in those conversations that we had, something that someone said, or maybe even a reflection of a story that they shared. Is there anything that kind of continues to resonate with you? I do need to say that I have inspired by Marty bought a shitload of cards and I have been sending them out. It's a little more difficult to get people's physical address. in this day and age, but I continue to persevere. So thank you, Marty, for that. And I feel so good when I send it. So it's a, it's totally selfish. I guess another thing that stood out was when Lacey talked about bold action, inspiring results that has stuck with me and her thinking big and her dreaming big and her her just impressive movement through life of you know, she talks so casually about flying rescue missions in West Africa. And I'm just like, Lacey, dude, like, people don't do that. Like that's, that's an amazing thing. I just am impressed by her whole embodiment of bold actions you know, I'm not going to be flying humanitarian rescue missions in West Africa. I don't even like to fly. But that whole showing up and taking bold actions, I have tried to take that to heart. That has resonated around my head since we talked to her for sure. But as you said, like there were gifts that everybody shared, like truth bombs, little bits of wisdom. I loved 
Elvia and her passion for public transportation. Like it changed the way I thought about things uh, in regard to public transportation. You know, Temple talking about some of the evolution she'd been going through with learning how to look for the pain points in the people who were awful to her on social media. And uh, that's also something that has stuck with me as we move through this. And I disagree so vehemently with several, many of those viewpoints that are out there. So that was a gift. And I just appreciate everybody showing up and sharing their gifts with us. I mean, I guess I could say the vaginal rejuvenation that Dr. McNally shared has also stuck with me in kind of a different way. But um, you just used the V word, which I think is <laughs> awesome. I was a little, that's probably the one guest that I was the most nervous around just because it was something we don't really talk a lot about. And um, a new appreciation for Mona Lisa, given the discussion of that's the name of the machine or the technique or something. I just, I know I was a little bit nervous in that particular podcast, but I think what I heard from her also was just a real emphasis on taking care of ourselves, really taking care of ourselves, like how she does that herself, how she does that with her patients, how she's just so mindful of that and saying that everyone tends to, you know, review, like put your oxygen mask on first and, and how moms and women tend to struggle with that. I feel like she was really helping to emphasize just how important women's health is and how different it is than men's health and um, how we just need to pay close attention to what our bodies are telling us and how to, how to find some solutions and ask the right questions. So I thought that was a really powerful conversation. It just, we had so many different conversations um, over this season. Like I think we have had in the last couple of seasons, um, but this one in particular, I just felt like I could just sit down with each one of those women and spend hours just talking to them more and listening to them and exploring various parts of those conversations that we had because they're just all um, such strong, resilient women. Thanks so much for joining us this season. We hope you enjoyed the conversations as much as we did. If you tuned in before, you know we believe in shining the light on women's stories. Please help us to illuminate women's stories by sharing this podcast or picking up one of our books available through amazon.com. And we'd love for you to check us out at trustfreegroup.com and you can reach out through the website to purchase our delight candles. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review because we do crave external validation. Please share the podcast with your friends. Connect us to the extraordinary women in your life who have stories they are ready to share. Please sign up for our newsletter and follow us on social media. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Lisa. And together we are Trust Tree.